Good afternoon, Bill. How are you doing? I am fine, Dominique. How are you? Doing very well, thank I'm you. I'm just really looking forward to doing this for another <laughs> afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, I attached the most recent presentation with all of the, um, you know, updates. Um, so you're able to share your screen and everything, correct? Yeah, it, okay. it, it worked last time. I'm perfect. But it will work this time, too. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good afternoon, President Newbill. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. I just wanted to alert you. We're still waiting for a quorum and other members of council to appear. Okay. And you'll let me know. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. You.
President Newbill, just to update you, we're just waiting for one more um, council member to join before we have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clark. I appreciate that. President Newbill, we now have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clark. Good afternoon, everyone. The Richmond City Council's budget work session will now come to order. Madam Clark, if you would read the electronic meeting announcement followed by the roll call. Yes, Madam President. Before we begin this afternoon's meeting, I must state the following for the record. This work session will be held through electronic communication means pursuant to and in compliance with ordinance number 2020-093 adopted April 9th of 2020 as most recently amended by ordinance number 2020-232 adopted December 14th of 2020. Notice of this work session was provided to the public by means of a public information advisory issued on Thursday, February 11th of 2021, as well as through Legistar on the city's website in accordance with our usual practice. There will be no opportunities for public comment and no public hearings during this session. In order to identify each council member who is present electronically for this meeting, I will now call the roll. Mr. Addison? Present. Ms. Jordan? Here. Ms. Lambert? Here. Ms. Larson? Ms. Lynch? Ms. Trammell? 
Mr. Jones? Here. Oh, Present. I'm sorry, Ms. Trammell. I'm sorry, here. I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, I captured your attendance. Thank you. All right, thank you. Um, Vice President Robertson? Here. And President Newbill? Here. Thank you, Madam President. All members are in attendance with the exception of Councilors um, Larson and Lynch. Thank you, Madam Clark. With that, we will get underway with the uh, analysis of the proposed FY22 budget by Mr. Bill Eichelberger. Mr. Eichelberger, if you will lead us in that discussion. I'll be happy to. Um, let me get that up on the screens now. You should be able to see that title page for the slideshow. Um, please let me know if you can't. Um, what I'm going to do first um, is bounce back to one of the slides we went over last Monday uh, because there's been a slight change. There was some confusion among a few people, probably a number of people, uh, as to the effective date of the police and fire sworn officer step increases that were in the mayor's introduced budget. Some folks thought that that was going to be effective July 1st. Um, it is, in fact, uh, effective October 1st, just like the general employee salary increases. So I've amended that slide number 16 to show that the uh, implementation date is October 9th. There's another change that corrects an error on my part but it's towards one of the last slides, and I'll point that out when I get there. Uh, before I go further, what I would like to do is remind everybody, especially the council members and liaisons, that the operating amendments and the operating text amendments are due on Wednesday at noon. Um, we had a request for those budget amendment forms and the instructions to be sent out again, and I've asked Samson to take care of that, so those will be sent out again uh, this afternoon if they have not already. And then with regard to the employee compensation program that's in the introduced budget, Jay Brown a few minutes ago sent a more detailed history of uh, the pay increases that have occurred from 2017 up to the proposed 2022 for both general employees and police and fire sworn employees. I forwarded that email to you at his request. I, I'm not going to go over it because it's just more detail of information we already went over uh, when we got together last Monday. But if you have any questions about that after you've had a chance to look at it, you know, please let us know and we will try to answer them for you. Um, what I want to do, we went a little further than this slide, slide 28, when we got together last Monday, but as a refresher before we just jump back into it. Um, this is the executive agencies. Those are all the departments that are under the mayor uh, and the chief administrative officer. Um, we already went over the council agencies. And the expenditures for the executive agencies are going to uh, propose to increase by $25.9 million. Uh, growth occurred in FY21, but because of the pandemic, it slowed tremendously uh, in FY21. And these just list the areas that, for analytical purposes, are grouped under the executive. Now, the executive offices themselves are three. 
the mayor's office, the chief administrative officer, and the press secretary. And as you can see with the red line at the end, the press secretary is proposed to be moved uh, to citizen services and response in FY22. So that will go away um, as part of these executive offices. Um, the, the mayor's office is, is basically unchanged at 1.2 million. And the chief administrative office is going to go up by of roughly 300,000.3 million. And that's really a technical change to reflect um, completely budgeting the chief administrative officer's salary to the CAO's office, where in recent past that had been charged back to the uh, finance department because your interim chief administrative officer came out of the finance department. That brings us up to a recap of what we went over last time. So now we're getting into some new material. Um, first of all, let's talk about the finance agencies. I grouped these together because these are the people who handle your money for you. Um, you've got the first thing, which is the transfer to debt service. And that, well, first, let me just go with the slide. Um, there are three finance agencies in one transfer, and combined their budget is $96.5 million. That's an increase of $16.9 million for FY22. Um, that $6.9 million is almost entirely the debt transfer, $6.5. And if you'll remember back to last week, under the city charter, you can't change that $6.5 million. Once the mayor has arrived at the calculation of what's needed to service the debt that's already been approved, um, council can't change that. There's a small change of uh, about $500,000 for the finance office. And then there's uh, about six hundred thousand, about ten thousand for the treasurer. Um, that's in both cases. It's mostly the salary increase money that's been put in there, and the Office of Budget and Strategic Planning is supposed to decrease by a net of a little bit less than six thousand dollars. So the bottom line here is, other than the debt transfer, there's not a lot of news as far as the finance agencies are concerned. The administrative agencies, these are the ones who keep the day-to-day -day operation of city government going. Um, you can see there are four human resources, your personnel department, the general registrar who uh, oversees elections in the city of Richmond, procurement services, and then the citizen service and response. Those four have a total budget of $12.9 million, and that's an increase of $0.9 million compared to FY21. Two of these agencies are increasing by a net 0.9, so almost all of it. Uh, human resources going up by a little, about a half a million. Citizen service response is going up by about a half a million. Uh, two agencies are going down by a combined total of less than 100000 uh, the registrar by 58, and uh, that has to do with, um, oh, I forget now what that expense was. There was a one-time expense that was taken out of the registrar's um, budget, and procurement's going down by 9000 Again, these are one-time expenses because uh, for procurement, human services, and citizen services response, they are um, getting salary increase money from the pr proposed plan by the mayor. The registrar and the registrar's employees are getting the 5% salary increase for um, 
constitutional officers that was approved by the General Assembly at its 22 session. Citizen services and response. Up until now, this has been the single department. Um, it, it, um, citizen services and response, his budget's gone up and then came back down a little bit last year. Uh, the department um, has a total budget of $2.7 million proposed for FY22. That's an increase of um, about 800000 from what it had in FY21. Uh, they got about 200000 for the class and comp study, about 600000 for the new office of engagement, and they lost about 600000 for software uh, that was a one-time expense. So there's the citizen services response program itself is going down by negative 0.1 million. But because of this new office of engagement, which is 600,000, roughly 0.6 million, and that's almost entirely the press secretary moving into citizen services response. Um, so there's really not much change um, in this area as well. Health and welfare. The six health and welfare agencies have Mr. Eichelberger, yes, before, before you leave that uh, last slide, I believe Ms. Lambert has a question. Sure. Yes, thank, yes thank you, Mr. President. Um, thank you, um, Mr. Eckelberger. I was checking on that new offices of um, Department of Citizen Services and Response. That's a new office that we're creating? Um, no. The, the Citizen Services and Response has been around for a while. If you'll um, take a peek at the slide. Um, it's been around probably before this, but you had a budget for it in 19, a budget for it in 20, a budget for it in 21. Uh, what's new is the Office of Engagement, which is under the department. It's a, it's a, it's a just a like a division under the Department of Citizen Services and Response, and that's essentially moving the press secretary out of executive offices and over here to citizen services and response. So you'll no longer have a separate press secretary's um, department, but you will have this office of engagement under citizen services and response. Does okay, that, I just clarify it any? Yeah, I just wanted to understand why are we duplicating efforts? Um, you know, we have a press secretary. Um, now we have a whole new office of engagement. This is not duplicating. This is moving okay. most of that function. There, There is, I understand the press secretary as a position, just one position still is up in executive offices, but um, almost all of the functions of the press secretary's office that you would have been used to in the past have been moved down to citizen service and, and response. So it's not really a duplication of, of effort, okay. I don't think. Okay, I just want to be clear because these new offices that we're creating, I just don't want this to be something that we already have in existence and we already have staff doing that actual role. So, right, thank these you are the these are your staff. They're just moving from pot A to pot B. Okay, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. The next question, uh, Councilwoman Robertson. Thank you. I, I want to follow up on Councilperson uh, Lambert's question. Um, what What is the reason for moving that, and how does that enhance 
the citizen services and response programming, um, and what what new duties or what what should we see differently as a result of moving them and the creation of this office of engagement? If we can get more detailed information on the programming, uh, one of the challenges that council face is that our office gets uh, an abundance of calls from from citizens all the time for service delivery. And all of those requests almost always have to go back to the administration as a formal request for service to be delivered. Uh, so I'm concerned as to whether or not this is for the purpose of enhancing uh, constituent citizen service delivery, and if so, whether or not we can get some appreciation for what that means. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman yeah. Robertson, and yes, yes, I we'll, we'll we'll get together with the administration. But just as a reminder, the the primary motivating factor behind moving this to um, citizen services and response is an inspector general's report that came out um, that had to do with uh, how some special funds had been handled, and um, I think there was a decision made based on that that that. It would it would be the day to day administration of what had up till now been the uh, press office, the public affairs portion of the press office would be moved uh, to a different location under different management. Um, any other duties that are being uh, assigned, I don't think the key and and the administration we'll we'll get with the administration and provide a more in depth response. But I don't think this is designed to really enhance. The um, the three one one function that you're familiar with. I think this is more just cleaning up the management after that report that was critical. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Eichelberger. I believe I saw another hand. Mr. Saunders, was that you? Um, yes, Dr. Newbill, it was. But in the interest of you know keeping the presentation moving, I'd ask either for us to have an opportunity to. Uh, speak to the the goals and functions of the new Office of Engagement and why the partnership with Citizen Service and Response is um, the right type of collaboration as well as of management that, that we need to see. Thank you. And so, Bill, you will follow up to uh, ensure that we have that response back for the full body. We'll, we'll make sure that it's part of the answers that we send to you uh, towards the end of this week, yes. Thank you. Um, moving on, we get to health and welfare. Um, there are six health and welfare agencies with the total budget proposed for FY22 of $91.5 million. That's an increase of $1.5 million over FY21. Uh, five of these health and welfare agencies are proposed to increase by a net of $2.3 million. That's 0.8 million for justice services, 0.8 million for parks, 0.6 million for human services, uh, 0.1 million for the health district, and 0.1 million for uh, community wealth building and social services is proposed to decrease by uh, 0.8 million. And just a reminder there, most of the social services money is really federal and state money that's uh, implementing programs that are approved by those two entities. Uh, the city does have a small amount of money 
of its own in social services, but most of it is federal and state. Uh, Mr. Eichelberg, before you move on, Councilwoman Lynch has a question. These are my favorite agencies, so I had to take a minute. That's <laughs> a no bias here. Um, do we have an idea of what, um, it's always good, I think in my mind, to get an idea of what the department's proposed versus what was funded. Um, because, you know, we're seeing these numbers and it doesn't necessarily give us a point of reference for um, how many positions each of the directors may have thought were appropriate to carry out the um, carry out their functions, particularly parks. I know that was one where we wanted to see a heavy investment on the recreation side. We have a lot of staff positions that are um, that were PTE that were PTE that were part time, and we were hoping to move to full time and increase some of those that increase the availability of recreational programming in our communities. Um, do we know? What um, do we know where that that comparison lies to how many staff positions the departments would have liked to see versus what's in this curriculum? The the short short ish answer to that is no, we don't. Um, the administration usually does not share the budget requests from the departments with us. Um, we haven't asked in recent years, but in some past years we've asked, and there has been no interest in sharing that in information. Uh, but uh, there is a slide a little bit later on that talks in a little bit more detail about parks. But the short answer to your question is no, we don't have the information on requests for parks or any of the other agencies. Thank you. Just uh, Mr. Saunders is on, is in desire of uh, speaking to this yes, item. Is that correct? It's really just, it, are you, let, please let me know if you'd like the administration to respond. Um, well, uh, yes, I mean, that would be one of the items that I think you're hearing that uh, a council member, and I think, you know, all council members would be appreciative of receiving, um, and Bill will follow up with you in that regard. Okay. Right. Um, so we'll follow up on that. Um, Department of Social Services, a little bit more detail on social services. Uh, the proposed budget is 53.5 million. That's a decrease, as I said, of, of 0.8 million. Some highlights here, there's uh, 0.3 million for the class and comp study. There's 2.4 million coming out because they're no longer paying the rent on Marshall Plaza. But then there's 1.3 million coming back in for facility maintenance. Um, other social services programs group, which is just a grouping of all the programs that they do really, uh, is gonna increase by a net $1.1 million. Two social services programs are proposed to decrease by 1.8 million. Uh, there's a 0.8 million, excuse me, a, a $1 million decrease in the CSA local match. And that's a local match for decreased state money was my understanding. And then um, a decrease of 0.8 million in administration. And that gets back to some of those highlights that I had up there where you had, you know, Marshall Plaza coming out at 2.4, but maintenance going up by 1.3 and comp and class going up by 0.3. So um, the net 
of a lot of small changes in those other two per in the administration programs comes to 0.8. Um, so I hope that gives a little bit more information of what's going on with social services. Um, justice services, uh, their proposed budget for FY22 is 10.3 million. That's an increase of 0.8 million. Uh, almost all of that, 0.7 million of that 0.8 is the class and comp study. Um, there are two justice services programs that are proposed to increase by a net 1.5 million. There's 1 million for administration and there's half a million for security programs. Three programs are proposed to decrease by a net of 0.8 million. There's negative 0.7 million for family, community, and other services. And there's 500, excuse me, uh, about 60,000 decrease for the drug court and about $5,000 increase for recreation. Parks. Now we come to parks. Mr. Yes, Becker, before you go on the prior slide, uh, Council Member Jordan has a question. Thank you. Yes, if you could, uh, if someone from administration could provide a little narrative on what the difference between the increases for administration and security programs is, like what, what are those? And then what are we losing? Because 0.7 million is obviously a large figure to take out a family, community, and other. And I just don't, I just know, don't know those groups are. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Jordan and uh, Mr. Saunders. And um, if that item could be included as well in terms of response once Mr. Eckelberger reaches out. Right, we'll get, we'll get with, with them. We, what we usually do is um, tomorrow morning we'll send the questions and this will be just, can they provide more detail on the 700,000 coming out of family and community um, programs. Uh, moving on to parks now. Uh, parks, Recreation, and Community Services has total budget proposed for FY22 of 19 million. That's an increase of 0.8 million. It seems 0.8 million um, up or down is a popular number in this sequence. Uh, the highlights here include 0.8 million for the class and comp study. Uh, there's 0.1 million for the new workforce program. There's negative 0.3 million for Bird Park, and there's negative 100,000 roughly for the James River Park. Uh, three parks programs are proposed to increase by a net 1.2 million, 1.1 million for administration, uh, 0.1 million for workforce development, that's the, the new program, and 31,023 uh, increase for cultural arts. Three parks programs are proposed to decrease by a net of about 400,000. Most of that is in parks operations, uh, negative 53,000 for after school programs and negative roughly $5,000 for recreation programs. Before moving on, uh, I have uh, three questions. Uh, Councilwoman Robertson, followed by Councilwoman Lynch and then Councilwoman Lambert. Councilwoman Robertson. Yes, uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I, my questions may be questions that we will answer at some point. I 
appreciate the fact that we're getting uh, this report gives us actual hard dollars uh, where they are and where they're being moved or where they're being increased or where they're being decreased. And whereas I appreciate that and that's helpful to to see uh, many of the challenges that we face in many of our communities as it relates to services that are being provided by especially parks and recreation and rec services uh, at our rec centers and our neighborhoods um, that have been significantly cut over several, several years. Um, many of them have not been open uh, prior to COVID. Uh, prior, many of them are very limited as to having adequate staffing to be able to to provide certain services. So it would be beneficial. Uh, I could ask a question about each one of the line items. It would be beneficial to have greater appreciation when we know that uh, after-school programs are very important. We know that recreation is extremely important. Um, $5,000 is not a whole lot of money. Um, but uh, it is. It would be helpful to understand why those kinds of adjustments that are being made, and would like to ask that the administration uh, bill would follow through and get answers to the justification for some of those changes. Thank okay. you. Thank well, you, Councilwoman we'll, Robertson. Councilwoman we'll, we'll Lynch. Other question I'm to sorry, Bill. To to try to get some more detail on a couple of these things. Um, Thank you, Bill. We have a couple of other questions before we move on. Councilwoman Lynch and then Councilwoman Lambert. Now, Councilmember Robertson, um, uh, we share the same sentiment. She put it very eloquently. Um, uh, just to hone in um, and, and, and support that comment and echo, you know, what the council, my co-chair, VHS, has shared, um, I believe it would be very helpful to get an idea of what staff positions um, we have vacant or need fully funded within each of our community centers, our, our, our rec um, centers. I know that we are struggling, um, at least in my district, struggling to, um, or we were before the pandemic, um, to adequately support those programs. Just as a parent, those are those are programs that we offer for $120 a year before and after school. It is the only opportunity for before school care um, that the majority of our RPS parents have. Um, I cannot stress enough the importance of these rec programs, not just to support our RPS families and support families in the city generally, but as an intervention to gun violence, uh, to trauma, very, very important. Just to have caring adults placed in, in the community um, is such an asset. And, it, and and the decreases, you know, we're talking about an equity agenda. Um, it is really, really hard for me to wrap my mind around um, us investing in an equity agenda that does not make substantial investments in these direct programmings in our communities. Um, so I, I think we need to really drill down on the staff and what those programs look like right now and what we need to get there. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Lambert. 
Thank you, Madam President. I just want to echo the same sentiment with my colleagues. I tell you, to see a decrease in after-school programs, um, one of the things that I ran on um, in for city council was to have something for the youth in the community. And if we're cu cutting our after-school programs and recreation funding, that's just not acceptable. Um, we have to do better. Um, so I hope to see um, some budget amendments that will kind of counter these um, decreases. Um, I just, I don't have a question, but I do feel sentiment that we need to really make sure we're not cutting after school programs and anything dealing with recreational activities for our youth. The summer is coming up. It's about to be hot and the children need something to do. And this right here is not acceptable. So I can do whatever you need me to do, um, Councilman Lynch and Robertson, so we can work together to make sure this funding does not um, decrease. Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman uh, Jordan. Thank you. Yes. Um, just echoing again what's been said and then adding um, that I'm discouraged to see the drop in funding from the James River Park System, which, you know, was one of our priority items that came out of our council retreat. So. Look, um, look forward to hoping to find out ways that these funds do not have to be cut. And thank you for taking my comment. Thank you. Um, Mr. Eckelberger, um, that the comments, I won't be redundant. I share those same concerns. And so look forward to um, greater specificity across all of these categories as we <clears throat> obtain the response. Um, Mr. Yes, Saunders, I see your hand is up. Was there a comment at this point? Um, yes, Dr. Nebel. Actually, uh, I feel like it's definitely worth a, a more wholesome um, conversation, and we can follow up in writing with some of the, the practical impacts, et cetera, here. I think this has more to do with simply, quite frankly, what, what I would say is really the program level outlines that um, has been requested in the past related to the budget, whereas um, we tend to fund at the department level. Given that we are, our priority in the budget was in putting funds towards the class and compensation study versus adding additional FTEs. You will see some of these shifts, but overall um, the directors have the discretion unless council chooses to, to go to a, a programmatic level funding. Um, in order to, to shift things around to make the priorities happen. Clearly, there is also just something to be said for the, um, the movement towards, you know, the changes in the COVID environment related to after-school programming, um, child care, et cetera, means that, that dynamics are shifting in a way that isn't necessarily the same as a reduction means, redu reduced services and or a lower prioritization. As many of you who were on council in the last term know, Mirstone has always put a heavy prioritization around expanding uh, and expanding access to after-school programs, um, as well as expanding community center hours, et cetera. So um, we'd welcome the opportunity for our department heads, whether it be Parks and Rec or otherwise, to, to explain how um, this budget will uh, improve and or affect services. services. And, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Be back no Thank you, Mr. Um, Sand. Oh, I'm sorry. Had you completed? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear with the sound effect item. No, I think that that is, is where 
uh, again, I think we're going to be able to work within our um, within our budgets in order to to meet the priorities as established by uh, the mayor and and city council. But I will say, just for clarification, the workforce development program is a one-time expenditure. Uh, it's certainly one that we hope and intend to do on a year-over-year basis. Um, I'm sorry, this, and I believe this budget I points out um, a new workforce program, but I will say it is something that uh, we have in past years uh, funded is a workforce development program under our parks department. It is something that using rescue plan funds and otherwise, we'd be looking at, at other ways we could invest in that. But as has been discussed here, there's, there are many one-time funding uh, goals have been removed from this budget in order to focus on those things that require recurring revenues, like compensation and FTEs. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. Um, I think you've heard, and I share without being redundant, uh, the concerns raised uh, by prior council members. So the greater specificity across these categories uh, would be appreciated and follow up with Mr. Eckhart and any additional funds that uh, you have been looking at that can be utilized as well through any anticipated Dr. state, Fed, et cetera. Okay. Dr. Neville, yes. would it be helpful at this point, because it does seem to be an issue of, of concern for council that we have um, the parks director, Chris Ralphie, speak to no, some of these adjustments? Um, not in this moment, but certainly I would say that we want to get that specificity and then the opportunity to have that uh, kind of conversation, conversation I think would be really helpful. Because right now we just you, we have the macro view, but we don't have the micro view that uh, members have asked for. So once we can have that in hand, then we can have a more uh, substantive conversation with Mr. Frakey involved. I, I would just say, just given... Um, but we're prepared to discuss whenever it's convenient for council. Thank you. Councilwoman Robertson. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, for simplicity and clarity for me going through the budget review process, we all know that we are anticipating a significant amount of monies to come to the city out of the recovery fund and other federal funds that'll that'll be received by the city and you know we've heard big numbers um i'm wondering if it's reasonable for the administration to provide us with funding that is in this budget um that is likely uh, that we could consider. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned that we are looking at uh, shifting funds for the purpose of making sure that we are able to begin and carry out the Gallagher study, which I understand the merits of such and, and appreciate uh, the value of, of us being able to accomplish that. And I think that's way overdue uh, just out of um, us uh, honoring and having a workforce that we are being as competitive as possible and compensating for the work that is being done. And so they are, they are the backbone to the city. Uh, and I support 
the efforts to do that. Where there is reductions that we see in the budget for the purpose of making that alignment, I'm not sure that the clarity of the reductions is reflective of that and whether or not it does mean that there's going to be any delivery changes in the department's capacity to be able to provide the quality of services or volume of services that are currently being provided. And those are the kinds of things that we need to know. Uh, we still may make a decision to do those things because we are making the execution of the Gallagher Study Act one and top priority in this budget year. Um, I also want to be able to make that alignment as to where we are making cuts for the purpose of accomplishing that. And then what departments are, how many uh, people are affected, how many positions or whatever is affected in accomplishing that first priority, which we can agree to is the top priority or not. Secondly, where there's funding in the budget, like workforce, for example, that could, whatever that total amount is and where it's showing up, whether it's showing up in this budget, under this heading, or whether it's showing up in other places as well, um, that we could potentially consider. I understand that we haven't gotten the regulations, so I don't want that to be the answer that comes back. We don't know what the regulations are. But if they are new funding that have not been appropriated before, I want to be able to see them so that we can make a determination of whether or not we want to take the opportunity to consider uh, that this could be funding that could carry us for the next two to three years out of the federal funds, recovery funds, and other sources that are coming. If the administration can provide some clarity and direction from that perspective, it would be extremely important. We are in the process of making amendments, and I would hate to make amendments to cut the general fund when there's a possibility that there are other funds that could help us accomplish goals. Thank, Thank you, Councilwoman Robertson. And uh, Mr. Eckelberger, uh, certainly, and I think Mr. Saunders is on as well. Uh, if you will um, provide to the extent we can with as best the knowns that we have relative to ARP at this time, and then, you know, the additional uh, opportunity as Councilwoman Robertson has shared. I'll, I'll be happy to talk to Lincoln about this um, after we finish here. Probably, probably I'll talk to him tomorrow. Uh, and see what what can be done there. Um, I I really um, I, I I know I'm sounding like a broken record on this, but I really have to caution folks not to anticipate using money that when you get it, and you're going to get a substantial sum. I have no doubt, but you need to be very careful that you don't take money out of this budget. In the anticipation, you can use ARP money to substitute for it later in the year and then find out that you cannot. Um, that would be a difficult thing to get through. Um, on this particular slide, th this slide's carrying a lot of weight that really is beyond just parks, it, it, it appears. Um, let me say a couple things ab about it because it applies to the, the general fund budget in, in the whole uh, 
Lincoln is correct, and I think it goes to every slide on here. Uh, a lot of extra money is being put in these budgets for compensation increases, and paying your public employees adequately allows you to attract new ones who are good at what they do. It also allows you to retain uh, good employees to continue these programs. So um, I think a really important part of this budget overall is, is compensation. And some of these small adjustments, really, you have to keep in mind that the, the big picture here is the investment in your employees that's going on throughout all these departments. The second thing is that Lincoln is correct. This slide and a number of others look at the programs within the budget. And while Richmond, uh, this last year, appropriated money to buy department, that is the lowest level of, or the highest level of aggregation that the charter permits. Uh, in the last few years, council has um, done the budget by program, and there was a reason for that. The only way to analyze these budgets to tell you more than just if Parks and Recreation has a budget of $19 million, it went up by eight, uh, $800,000 roughly, is to look at the programs that are component parts of that budget and tell you which ones are going up and which ones are going down and what the major drivers are. What you will not see me doing that some other folks do is looking at line items and say, oh, they're projecting they're going to spend uh, 50000 more on gasoline. That's background noise. If they think they need gasoline, fine. You, the, the place to focus your attention, in my opinion, is what are the big picture things that are being done with this money? Like you were saying, I'm paying money for rec recreational programs. Uh, I'm paying money for... Uh, and. Recreation was $7 million in FY21. It's proposed to be $7 million in FY22. Uh, I'm cultural arts programs. Cultural arts, I had $900,000 in 21. I've got $900,000 in 22. Um, very little change uh, in those big programmatic areas, which is where I tend to focus the analysis because I think that gives you a picture of what's changing within these departments. And they're absolutely right. If you don't appropriate by program, uh, you have no control over it once the budget leaves your hands. So if for some strange reason they decided to move money from, you know, cultural arts to Bird Park, they could do that and they would not have to come back and let you know beforehand that they did it. If you appropriate by program, they do have to come back and let you know. Now, I'm not advocating you do that this year, far from it. Um, but that's why I do the analysis at a program basis, is so that you have the information necessary to know where changes are being made in these departmental budgets. And, and not the irrelevant ones like how much is being spent on pencils, pens, gasoline, but the big ones. What, what is being done to change programs that you're funding? And so that's that's my soapbox on this particular slide. Thank you, Mr. Eckelberger. Um, we'll move on. Um, moving on beyond parks to public works. 
And this is one that you folks in the past have been keenly interested in the component parts of public works. The public works budget um, in total for FY22 is proposed to be 44.5 million. That's an increase of 6.8 million, and I'll come back to what appears to be a very large increase um, in a minute. One million of that increase is the class and comp study. Public works is one of your larger departments, so you would expect that a larger portion of the class and comp money would go to public works. Five public works programs are proposed to increase by a net of 7.3 million. 5.7 million is finance and administration, but 4.4 million of that is just a technical showing the transfer uh, to the special fund for the electric utility. The electric utility does the streetlights, and now that's being run through the uh, finance and administration program. So 4.4 million of that 5.7 is just a technical correction and where the money shows in your budget. Uh, again, one million is the class and comp study. Uh, Three hundred thousand is sustainability management, and a negative one hundred thousand is all the other service levels that are in finance and administration. You've got an increase of one point one million for winter storms. If you go back a number of years, uh, the budget used to include an amount for winter storms. In recent years, it did not, so they're putting back. Uh, the budget, which, I mean, it's a contingency that if you have a winter storm, you're going to need the money. Uh, and it, it usually builds up to try to have a balance so that if you have big winter storms at following years where you don't have them, you've got enough money to pay for cleaning up the streets. Um, plus $300,000 for facility management, uh, plus $200,000 for CIP facilities management, and then a little bit a little over $6,000 for geographic information services. And three of the DPW programs are going to propose to be decreased by a net of 400,000. There's uh, 0.2 for roadway maintenance, uh, 0.2 for CIP facilities construction, and 15,000 for solid waste. Um, and that's the summary for public works. Mr. Ackerberger, before you move on, um, question, Council Member Lambert. Thank you, um, Madam President. Um, Mr. Ackerberger, can you explain to me the roadway management? What is that? Um, what is 4.4 million going towards? What does that um, mean? If you can uh, just explain that to me. And then uh, a drop in 15,000 for solid waste. Does that have to do with trash, pickup, refuge, those That's services that we offer? Yeah, starting with the smaller number first. Yeah, the $15,000 is solid waste. Um, uh, so the solid waste is is your trash pickup, things like that. Um, and that's going down by $15,000. That's, that's probably a host of, you know, 20 or 30 different things that the cost is going up and down. And on net, it comes to $15,281. It's None of them individually are significant. It just totals to fifteen thousand. Um, the four point four million. What the city does is it pays the electric utility to run the streetlights. They power the streetlights that are all over the city, and 
this is simply moving that transfer from the general fund to the special fund for the electric utility to run the streetlights to the um, finance and administration portion of the public works budget. So it's just a technical, it, it used to be budgeted somewhere else, now it's budgeted to uh, finance and administration under DPW. Okay, because um, the concern that I had been hearing, um, especially when it comes to the city dump, um, the Commerce Road location, there's another location um, that stopped taking certain waste products and materials. So everyone has to go to Commerce Road. Um, I've been told it's a backup on P Commerce Road. And a lot of times people who are um, trying to dump, by the time they get up to the front, they're told they can't because they have certain materials in their um, trucks or what have you. So my, I'm not sure if I have a question, but I'm just trying to understand. Um, here's a city service that we're offering that we're doing very poorly with. And the revenue that's coming from that service can be improved. Um, How is that part of this solid waste deduction um, that's going in? I mean, this is something that I think we need to look at in terms of the services DPW offers that we get revenue from, from residents. And we're not up to par with that. Um, so that's why I'm just trying to understand within these decrease of budgets, if we're decreasing budgets, um, where city services are being provided, um, is it staffing? Is what's the problem? You know, no, that's bad. The, the to to try to start getting it at an answer to your question, the fifteen thousand dollars is really not doesn't have anything to do with the service level in in my opinion. Okay. That has to do with dozens of little cost changes within their budget that. Just like when you go to the grocery store, some prices go up, some prices go down, and on net, the prices they're thinking they're going to pay for solid waste are going down by about $15,000. The the issue that you raised is a bigger one with regard to this program, and it's probably similar to some other programs that the city runs. Um, and I would suggest that the thing to do there, since I don't believe you'll solve the issue uh, which is probably more complex than it, it, it sounds. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably issues involved there with hazardous waste disposal. There are issues resolved there with what's recyclable and what's not, which gets into whether China is accepting recycling materials anymore, which they're basically not. Um, so there are a whole host of issues that go into the solid waste question. And rather than try to solve that in the next few days, uh, and I don't believe we could, I would suggest we find the appropriate committee and ask somebody to come and start a conversation about what's right and what's wrong with the way Richmond does solid waste and what we might do to improve it. That might mean more budget, mm -hmm. but it might mean just spending the money in a different way. I, mm -hmm. I don't have an answer to that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mr. Eckerberger. Um, would like to have uh, some follow-up uh, discussion relative to those items that Council Member Lambert has raised in terms of additional clarification across the categories, but also recommendations that the administration might bring forth. Yes. We'll Thank put that you, on our list as well. Thank you. Moving on, here's some more detail about public works. 
that shows you this is what our programmatic budget used to look like um, before this last year. And you can see finance administration is going up by 5.6. Uh, facilities management is going up by 0.3. And then we get into the, the area that the members have historically had an interest in. What's going up and what's going down? And this interest began because there was a tremendous uh, interest a few years ago in bulk and brush. And you can see bulk and brush. That's your pickup in, in the 4th District and a couple of others that have a lot of trees. That's the brush part where when people maintain their yards, they put the brush out by the street and the city comes and picks it up. That's not changing much. Um, it's just rounding error uh, different. And then um, curbside recycling is basically unchanged. Leaf collection, which was another big one in the parts of the city that have uh, a lot of trees and brush, but leaf collection is going up by $100,000. The refuse component, which I think is um, most of what you were talking about, Ms. Lambert, is actually going down by 1.5, and other solid waste management is going up by 1.4. So I, I would just be speculating on my part, but I think probably that negative 1.5 is just money moving around into different buckets, um, and that gives you the total for solid waste management of less than $100,000. That's that 15000 we were looking at. But again, I, it looks like that's money. A lot of it's just moving from one bucket to another. Um, geographic information services, basically unchanged. Uh, CIP infrastructure administration is going up by 200000 roughly. Under roadway maintenance, uh, you don't have any specific alleyway maintenance in the budget anymore. You had 100000 a few years ago. And then roadway management is going down by a net roughly $200,000. Uh, CFP facility construction, that program is going down by about $200,000. And again, we talked about the winter storms, which is going up by $1.1 million. You see you didn't, you didn't have anything for winter storms specifically budgeted the last three years. And I think in previous years, you haven't had much of a problem with it. I think this last year you did have some expenses for winter storms. So they're trying to put some money back to cover that just in case the winter uh, of FY22-23 uh, is one that requires some work on the streets. Um, if there are no more questions on public works, I'll move on to public safety. The five public safety agencies have a total proposed FY22 budget of $201.1 million. That's an increase of $3.6 million over FY21. $2.5 million of that is police and fire step increase, and $1.1 million is the Marcus Alert. And the Marcus Alert is in the Department of Emergency Communications. Uh, the three public safety agencies, three of the public safety agencies are proposed to increase by a net $4.6 million, $2.7 million for the fire department, $1.7 million for emergency communications. And again, most of that is the Marcus Alert money, uh, $200,000 for animal care and control. Uh, and then two public safety agencies are proposed to decrease by a net million. One is the sheriff at negative $600,000 and police at negative 
uh, 400,000. Mr. Eckelberger, before yes, we leave that slide, uh, Council Member Lynch has a question. Um, th th thank you, Madam President. For the, the 1.1 million um, for the Marcus Alert, that's inclusive of the, so I mean, we're, we're gonna be selected as a pilot city for the um, DB Heads grant, the state grant that's coming down the pike. So that's inclusive. That's This is just purely general fund money, obviously, correct? No, I can't say that for sure. Um, the way Richmond, but it's not unique, all localities all over the country follow GASB. And what GASB does is it takes all these monies, whether they're coming from the state, the feds, categorical aid, non-categorical aid, and they they just dump it all in the general fund. So when, when we tell you that it's a general fund budget, we don't even have the ability in most cases to go back and tell you that the Marcus Alert money is coming from the state, the feds, from general tax revenues. That's something that the program manager might know. So we'll put that on the list of questions. Where's the money for Marcus Alert coming from? But um, we had a, a similar question for something over in the police department the other day. And um, even the budget office just forwarded that to the police department to ask them, can you break that down by the actual source of funds? Thank you, Mr. Eckelberger. Um, and so certainly we'll want to obtain that clarification and specificity. Councilmember Lambert has a question as well. Yes, um, one additional question. Um, where is the funding for the Citizen Review Board? Is uh -huh. that in this budget here? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So I just want to know, well, where is that money coming from? Um, and, that's um, don't we have an ordinance in place as to um, requirements that we have to do <laughs> to get that going? That, that, that's a good question as to whether where the money will come from. Um, it's one that I've been asked several times. There's been some discussion about how big the budget needs to be for the Citizen Review Board. Uh, there's discussion about where that money might come from uh, in the budget. And that's something that's going to have to be worked out as council moves through this budget development process. Uh, but right now, no, the money for the Citizen Review Board is not in here. And the source of that money is yet to be determined. All right. Well, hopefully someone from the administration can address that because um, we need to talk about that. Lincoln, Councilman Newbell, don't mean to overstep, but I think that's yes. an important issue. Um, we need to raise that. So just one. Right. That. I, I, I am sure that Mr. Saunders, I believe he's still on. And so that would be an item that uh, would go on our list of items looking for a response. Okay. Um, when Mr. Eckelberger has a follow-up conversation there. Perfect. Thank you. Councilmember Lynch. But, but I was going to respond to um, Councilmember Lambert's question, but um, I will respond offline. But we are work just to let, we, we are intending on putting a budget amendment in for that one. Thank Great. you, Councilmember Lynch. Mr. Eckelberger, um, no questions on this slide further at this time. Moving on, a little more detail about the fire department. Um, the fire department has a new program structure for uh, 
proposed for FY22, it used to be broken out into quite a bit of detail. And it, many of those programs and service levels are being merged into uh, just a handful now. Um, the fire department, their proposed budget for FY22 is $54.8 million. That's an increase of $2.7 million. Uh, 0.9 million is step increases, and 18,247 is the class and comp study. Because the fire department and police, they have employees who are sworn employees who are in the step program, and they have just regular support staff. You know, the secretaries, the the other support kind of people, uh, purchasing people, whatever, and they are under the class and comp study. And the class and comp study would have had those general employees under fire um, in total receive about eighteen thousand dollars, and the step increases are about 0.9 million. Um, four fire department programs are proposed to increase by a net four point six million, three million for fire operations, nine hundred thousand for fire administration, four hundred thousand for logistics and $2 million for fire prevention. And what you'll see is that other than the class and comp, I mean, the, the compensation increases, $1.8 million of that is just coming from consolidating these previous programs into those, those programs I listed above. Uh, $600,000 used to be budgeted to the fire chief. That money is now uh, budgeted up there in fire administration and fire operations. 900,000 used to be in fire training. They're still doing fire training, but that's now up under the other programs as well. And then emergency management, $300,000. They're still doing emergency management. It's just in those different buckets that you see up above. So that's 1.8 million. And then the, the 900,000 is the step increases. So um, of that 4.6 million, uh, 2.7 is uh, for compensation or these these transfers, and um, the other things are just a, a whole multitude of increased costs, in, net increased costs, increase up and decrease down that net to the remaining amount. So if there are no questions on fire, I think my next one is Police, yes, it is. Um, police department has a total proposed budget of ninety-six million. That's a net decrease of four hundred thousand. And this is another one of those departments that, in order to give you any analysis that makes sense, I have to go in and look at the individual programs and even the service levels that are within that departmental budget of ninety-six million. And so, what you'll see is for police, the highlights are. Step increases are 1.6 billion. The class and comp study is about 200,000. The police chief is going up by 1.7 million. Uh, the Office of Professional Responsibility is going up by about 500,000. There are other miscellaneous increases that add to 3.3 million. Again, it's a whole host of things that are going up and down. Uh, the training academy. Uh, is negative 2.6 million, and before you you worry about the training academy training being decreased, what this is is simply they're going to do one training academy in FY22 instead of two. 
and the training academy going from two to one is $2.6 million. Patrol services is going down by 1.3, and then other miscellaneous reductions are 7.4. So you see that's the, the ups and downs that are the highlights of the police budget. Two police department programs are proposed to increase by a net 1.3. Uh, police chief 0.9 and the Office of Professional Responsibility by 0.3 and two departmental programs are proposed to decrease by a net 1.7. Police operations negative 1.4 and administrative support um, negative 0.3. But again, the, the overall increase is or decrease is just about $400,000. It's just moving some things going up some things going down but you know overall the police budget is pretty stable thank you mr eckelberger before we move on council member lambert has a question thank you madam president uh, mr eckelberger uh just need some clarification this 3.3 million other increases what does that mean can you explain what the other increases and other reductions well i guess that's just from all programs but I mean, it really it really is just all that if you go through the if you go through the budget for the um police department you'll see a whole host of of programs and service levels because they have they have a large number of service levels within their their budget and there are a number of them that are increasing by 3.3 million the individual increases are uh rather small and and most likely they're just technical. Um, and then the same thing with the other reductions. If you add up the service levels and programs that are being reduced, they come to 7.4 million, but um, there's nothing that, there's nothing that would be so remarkable that it would be worthwhile drawing council's attention to it. It's just a whole host of small things going up and down that, that amount to those dollar amounts. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Eckelberger. Um, next, uh, next category. The sheriff. The sheriff proposed budget for FY22 41.4 million dollars. That's a net net decrease of 0.6 million. Um, the highlight here is the million dollars for the salary increase from the state. Um, the state approved a five percent salary increase for all of its employees and all of the state-supported local employees. Um, so that's what's going on for the sheriff and the other constitutional officers. Uh, and for these guys, it's a million dollars. Jail operations program is proposed to decrease by a net uh, $1.7 million. And three sheriff's programs are proposed to increase by uh, 1.1. It's 0.6 million for jail operations, 0.3 million for courtroom security and 0.2 million for human services. Um, and that's it for the sheriff. Thank you, Mr. Eckelberger. Um, we can move on. Public schools. You heard um, Mr. Cameras' presentation uh, right at the beginning of the budget re review cycle. Um, the city contribution is proposed to be um, 187.1 million. That's an increase of 5.4 million. 
that's composed of a balance being brought forward from FY21, the end of this fiscal year. The schools project still have a balance of $1.8 million. And then it's $185.3 million in uh, appropriations. Uh, $5.4 million is, is new, um, technically. Uh, it fully funds the RPS proposed budget. If you look in your budget book, there's a tab towards the back that shows you what the RPS budget, it's the third, third or fourth tab from the back of your budget book, shows you what the um, RPS budget that was approved by the school board was. And this year, it's the same amount that they're getting from um, the city. Um the last several years, uh, not la not the current year, but the years before that, council, because there were new programs being implemented, like the Dreams for RPS, um, council put all of the new money into a holding account and then um, appropriated by category the remaining amounts. And those categories are derived from the school board approved budget. Um, state law does not allow council to do more than these categories or more detailed than these categories. Um, and in those cases, like Dreams for RPS, council felt that um, the proposed budget numbers had not been adequately fleshed out when they reviewed the budget. So they put them in a holding account and asked for uh, the mayor and the, the school board to work out what they were going to be using that money for and come back with amendments. Um, this year, you can see here, um, these numbers are taken right out of the, the school board budget. How much would be for instruction, how much for administration, attendance and health, how much for transportation, operations and maintenance, facilities, debt service and transfers and technology. Those are the categories. There are a couple others you could use, but Richmond doesn't use them. Um, and you can see the net changes you know, for instruction, the single biggest increase is 6.4 million for instruction. And that would mostly be the 5% salary increase that teachers and support staff are going to get. And that's probably most of it for all of these, in fact. So again, we already had the presentation from Mr. Cameras on the school budget. Non-departmental, non-departmental. Mr. Eckelberger, yes, I'm sorry. Just before you move forward, uh, we do have a question. Councilmember Lynch. Thank you. Just going back to public schools. Um, so with the new, um, you're counting the 185.3 million, that new appropriation. Is that both CARES and incoming ARP money? What is, what is that? No, that's the, the entire budget has no ARP money. That I new appropriation so. should just be appropriation, probably. But your total appropriation for Richmond Public Schools is 187. The 187 is 185 uh, for an actual appropriation, and 1.8 million. That's a previous appropriation that they'll have a balance at the end of the year, and you add those two together, you get the 187. I, I understand. So, um, just digging into Transportation and operations and maintenance, because this is one area where I think I, I heard multiple um, council members having questions about whether or not there are any saving, more savings garnered um, from this year, given the fact that fleets were not running, only a handful of them were for the food delivery program, 
um, uh, and my understanding is that was an, a reimbursable expense with CARES Act funding, and as was a great deal of operations and maintenance. Um, do we have we dug into those numbers just to validate and verify that there wasn't more savings, perhaps, within those two line items? No, we, we, we typically don't. I mean, the school board, the Richmond Public Schools is an independent subdivision of the Commonwealth, um, and we typically don't even attempt to get into the details about what they're using the money for. Um, that's, that's a school board issue that we just don't usually deal with at the staff level. Um, with regard to these categories in FY21, the current fiscal year, City Council did not appropriate the money by category. So if, as schools' needs were changing, they were getting money from the CARES Act, they were not spending money on pupil transportation, they may have been spending more money on technology, for example, um, they would have just moved their their money between these different categories and not have to come back to council to ask, would you change the amount you appropriated for instruction? Would you change the amount you appropriated for technology? Um, we could ask them what their actual budget is that may be in their budget in the, um, in the tab at the back. Um, I'd have to, in fact, I'm going to look real quick. Um, Madam President, while Ms. Eckerberg yes. is um, looking, um, I wanted to ask a question. Is there, this might be a good time to request a possible special session for us council to really discuss how we're going to go over these ARP funds. Because um, I think the budget work sessions are great, but I think we need to factor in this funding that's coming as well. What are we going to do with that? Um, so I just so, wanted to put that out there. I don't know. Sure. Councilwoman Lambert, that's a um, very appropriate question. I've asked our staff. So two things coming. Uh, number one, a paper that would uh, put those funds into a special fund, uh, both the ARP from the feds as well as through the state, number one. And then I've asked our staff, Ms. Davis, and um, and I believe she's Ms. Davis and her staff will meet with the administration so we can map out a plan of action for collaborative uh, uh, decisioning about those funds prior to any expenditure. So it's more than timely. And uh, I know Ms. Davis, uh, she may have an update even later in terms of that, but she if she hasn't, she certainly is reaching out because I've certainly had that discussion with her. But both of those things in tandem, uh, so very timely, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because there's some funding for parks and recs and things that I feel like is necessary for this upcoming summer um, right. that we can utilize. So, yeah, we need to definitely have a discussion on that, and I appreciate that response. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Eichelberger, did you, uh, Eichelberger, I'm sorry, Mr. Eichelberger, did you uh, it, it have a preliminary? Way. Huh? It, it actually can be either way. The family name is Ashley Eichelberger, but oh, it's well, spelled you. currently Eichelberger. So, okay. um, if you look on page 9-8, 9-8, 
of your operating budget book notebook, you'll see this, the budget that was presented, the general fund budget that was presented to the school board. And unfortunately for FY21, because you're still in that, that year, um, they don't have numbers to show you what the, the actual expenditures were. So the numbers that are showing in the budget would be what they adopted their budget last year to be. And they may or may not show the movement of monies to respond to COVID. Um, and they, they, they don't, like all these other general fund budgets, they don't show the money from the CARES Act. So that would be something that I'd have to go back and look at Mr. Camrus's presentation from uh, the first budget work session, Thank but it's, it's not something that you can readily get from the exhibits that are in the budget book. Thank you, Mr. Eckelberger. Um, one more question. I see uh, Council Member Addison. Hi, yes. Um, I kind of wanted to quickly jump in on the, the ARP conversation that keeps coming up. I think um, we're not going to get any words from Treasury on where we can use the funds, either for the city or from for the schools, especially even from the state yet. I think some of that pass-through information is going to be coming probably after we approve this budget. Exactly. We need to make sure that we do our best to make decisions in this budget with what we have and create, as I've been, had several conversations with the same people you have, uh, Madam President, and others on council with you too, um, what, what the process looks like moving forward because they're very described terms of use um, for exactly. what these funds can and cannot be used for. And so I just want to make sure that we kind of go through this budget process, make as best of a decision as we can, and prepare ourselves for what could become a really valuable exercise on making some strategic investments with these new funds to free up future money, to free up future budgets, to catch up with things we've put off for a long time that I think are directly related to this funding. But I don't think it's going to be able to save or improve anything in the budget currently just because we don't have enough information to make those decisions. Thank you, Councilmember um, Addison. Uh, and to your point, and certainly Councilmember Lambert, and I'm sure other members as well, um, that's my understanding as well in terms of when we will have definitive guidance uh, will be after this budget and uh, what's really going to be critical and that staff will be working on and bringing back to the body is that collaborative uh, uh, process and path forward between uh, certainly council and the administration to make decisions uh, for these funds that I, I think can be pretty um, uh, significantly impactful. But certainly we can't, uh, within the context of this budget, because we don't even know definitively how much, we just know it will become so more to come in that regard. So thank you both. And that will definitely be forthcoming, like I said, as well as the paper that puts the funds into special uh, reserve uh, fund. So, Mr. Mr. Eichelberger, since we can go either uh, next yes. slide, please. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Just one, one more brief comment about that. The, the way that the ONR request to the city attorney is drafted, it would be that any monies from the American Rescue Plan Act that are received by the city either directly or indirectly would go into this, this reserve. And the reason that the indirectly was put in there is that some of the money may go to the state 
before it comes here. And the state may have its own programs, its funding, and they may have their own rules about what they can use, what the city will be able to use those monies on. But without regard to whether the money comes from the federal government directly or from the state as a subgrantee um, under the ARP, um, those monies would go to a, um, a special, be credited to a special reserve. They're technically Thank still part of the general fund, but. Thank you, Mr. Ackerberger. And uh, let me say that uh, certainly in discussions with the administration as well, um, there is concurrence in terms of, uh, and paperwork has already gone to city attorney, but concurrence in terms of uh, creating that special funds for ARP, the directly or indirectly, and then for uh, really working to identify that uh, collaborative path forward. So um, have been having those discussions and we'll bring that back to this body uh, for uh, review and discussion. I think I see uh, Councilmember Larson. Um, so if a CART request has been put in, um, is there a way to share that with the rest of Council? Um, so far, what has been sent up, I mean, it's just the, uh, and, and Mr. Brown, I'm not sure if you're on, but Bill has sent up and certainly can share the, um, we don't have a final document yet, but certainly can share what's been sent and looking to bring forward for the second session as it, it will not be ready for clearly this evening, but to the next council session. So we can share that rough. Mr. Brown, are you on? Uh, yes, ma'am. And you heard the, yeah, the inquiry was whether or not, I'm not sure how far along you've gotten in terms of preparing the paper um, work we that. We don't have anything prepared. Okay, so as soon as that is prepared, even the rough draft, Ms. Larson, I'll make sure that we uh, can get that out to folks. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, if, if you're interested in how it, it's intended to work, it's intended to work the exact same way as the, the, uh, the meals tax for schools is credited to a special reserve. And the ONR request was modeled on that. So it, it just makes sure that the money doesn't revert and that it, it can't be spent for other purposes. But um, that's, that's where the, the basic concept came from, was your meals tax for schools. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Eichelberger, um, next slide. The next slide, and I think uh, almost the last slide, non-departmental. Non-departmental has a proposed budget of 83.7 million. That's a net decrease of 0.9 million. Non-departmental is divided into uh, four categories. There are governmental expenses. There are organizational subsidies, there are charitable donations, and then the smallest category is economic development. Um, two non-departmental categories is, are proposed to increase by 3.1 million, uh, 2.9 million intergovernmental programs. Um, you, can, you can find those in the budget book on page 6-17. Economic development, um, you'll see those on pages six, on page 6-17 of the budget book as well. 
Now, the intergovernmental are those things that you need to spend money on for the general operation of city government, but they don't fit well in any single department. And I'll go over those in a minute. The economic development uh, category, those are the monies that are appropriated to meet the obligations that council has approved when you approve the economic development ordinances that come before council. They're, they could vary, and some of them are direct subsidies, some of them are tax credits, but at some point in time, there was an economic development proposal. Council signed off on it, and they have a total value of $1.8 million, and that's um, up from $1.6 million in um, FY21, the current fiscal year. And again, you can see the list on page 6-17. Um, the only group of these that I'm going to go over in any detail um, is the $2.9 million for intergovernmental. Uh, that's the next slide. The others are literally pages of small print dozens and dozens of organizations. Each one is independent of all the others. Why one gets money, why one got the economic development deal, those were explained at the time you did the economic development deal. When we get into the organizational subsidies, some of those are the same category. They're uh, something that you've entered into an agreement but when you get into the charitable con do charitable donations, each one of those stands independently, and they're just pages and pages of them. So um, I am not proposing that we go over each of those independently, but I've made the page references so that you can uh, go take a peek at them. And some you might be perfectly happy with, and some you might think, why are we spending money on that? But I will leave that assessment to each of you individually. Um, the next slide goes over the non-departmental, the subtotal for inter internal government expense. There are a couple of highlights um, in here. The first one is that you passed legislation for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund to get money from the roll-off of the um, real estate tax uh, exemptions and that is being budgeted the ordinance number got cut off I'm afraid um, but that's being budgeted to the tune of 2.47 million um, for FY 22 the way they got that 2.47 million is by taking it out of the 2.9 million which used to be just a city transfer of general fund monies to the affordable housing trust fund so the, the just no strings attached transfer went from 2.9 million to 427,000. Uh, that's a decrease of 2.5 million and that 2.5 million went to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund under the terms of that ordinance. So the, the total for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund is still 2.9 million, just like it's been for the last couple of years. So there's no change. And I just thought I should bring that to your attention uh, since there was considerable interest in increasing the amount that went to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Now, 
there is an increase of 1.2 million if you go a little further down, two lines below that blue box, other post-employment benefits. Um, it's 1.4 million proposed last year. It was 250,000. The year before it was 500. This has been sort of a, a random attempt to address this growing uh, obligation for other post-employment benefits. And for the city of Richmond, OPEB is just retiree health care expenses. It's retiree health insurance costs. Um, the folks in the administration have told me they're taking a look at this and will come back later for some proposals about how you might be able to address the growth in this uh, program in the future. Uh, but for now, the the um, auditor's report had suggested a substantial uh, deposit for OPEB in FY22. Um, it was more than the 1.4 million, but given the budget constraints, 1.4 million was all that they could come up with. And I think that's a pretty good effort on their part, if you want to ask me. Um, the one that they did not fund, the the auditor also suggested that you make sizable multi-million dollar cash contributions for the unfunded pension liability. That is not done. Um, I will point out that your actuarial studies for the retirement system, the defined benefit part of the retirement system, uh, they do include a component to address the unfunded liability over the actuarial funding period, which is probably about 20 years, give or take. Um, so that's in the calculations, but there's no extra money to address your unfunded liability for pensions. And then there's $2 million increase if you go a little bit further down, third line from the bottom um, there is transfer to risk management internal service fund, 1.9 million, uh, really 2 million. Um, that's to cover some of the adverse things that happened in the last year. Um, so that's where that money's going. It's to pay for damages that occurred uh, or liabilities that have been incurred um, over the last year. And then there's some smaller amounts to you know, some other things that are mostly technical in nature. Some are going up, some are going down a little bit. Um, uh, risk management and DIT, also part of that transfer is the general fund portion of the salaries under the salary plan, the general employee um, uh, salary plan that was included in the um, introduced budget. So that's included in these things too. Now, that is the last operating budget slide I have because my next slide just says end. But if I go back to all of this slide here, I really would refer you to the pages in your budget book that list all of these charitable donations, the organizational subsidies, you know, some of which some of which you are, are obligated to. There's the Greco um, operating subsidy, uh, $5.8 million. Um, there's the GRTC money, um, $8 million. There's the Richmond, Metro Richmond Metropolitan Convention and Visitors Bureau, $1.8 These are not small amounts of money, but they are important programs 
They're just not city programs. So that's why they've broken those out into a separate category. But I would encourage you to look at those. Um, I would encourage you to look at the charitable donations. And if you've got specific questions about specific ones, we can forward those to the administration and get an answer back as to what's going on with that or what the expected result is from those monies. Thank you, Mr. Eichelberger. We have uh, three questions. So Councilmember Larson, Councilmember Robertson, and then Councilmember Lynch. Councilmember Larson. Uh, thank you, Dr. Newville. So I'd like more information on, um, from what I can tell, there are three new non-departmental entities that are being funded. Project Experience, RVA League for Safer Streets, and um, Citizens Against Residential Emergencies. So I'd like more details on those. Sure. Mr. Eichelberger, did you, you got those? Um, actually, Samson is making notes like that. He's much better okay. at taking notes, especially when he's not trying to concentrate on actually doing this. Um, okay. So Samson probably has gotten that, and we'll make sure to pass it on to the administration. Thank you. Yeah, Councilmember Larson, additional? Just so you guys know, they're in Section um, 3-41. And they're at the bottom of the page. Okay. Three Thank you. 3-41. Was that correct, Ms. Larson? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, section 3-41. Yep. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Councilmember Robertson. Thank you, Madam Chair. The question I have is in regards to if I'm looking at the non-departmental correctly, the increase in the amount for tax relief for the elderly and disabled. Is that about $2 million increase? Uh, or am I no, it's $224,000 decrease. Decrease, it's yeah. It's $4,266,000 in FY21. It's $4,041,755. Uh, proposed for FY22, and that decrease, what I was told was it's experience-related based on the number of people who are taking it this year, who they expect, it, they then can project what they expect it to be next year, mm -hmm. and they think they'll need the $4.0 million instead of the $4.3 million. Okay, a follow-up question to that. I think previously we've asked if we could do an equity lens as it relates to where um, citizens are taking advantage of this uh, resource that is available to them to get a sense of equity across the city. Um, if, if that information can be provided, that would be helpful as well. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Eckelberger, you have or Samson, I should say, has he's recording, so correct? Yes. Um okay. we'll make a note of that and bring bring back that information as part of an answer to these questions. Or sure. in talking to in talking to the administration about that particular one, um, it may be that the best thing to do would be to take it up. That's a finance issue, so we may bring that back to the finance committee at some future point in time. Thank you. Council Member Lynch. 
Thanks, Madam President. Um, quick question on economic development. Um, it, if we can go back to that slide, it looked like we are de are we decreasing economic development? No, you're increasing okay. We're increasing it by two hundred thousand. Okay, so um, is that so? I guess their staff positions. I see Mr. Saunders raising his hand. Um, no, yes. it's not staff yeah. Can we get the specificity on that, Ms. Eichelberger? Uh, not in this moment, but to come back. Oh, ab absolutely we can. It's going up. Um, I'm trying to look and see. Most of it is GRTC. In fact, almost all of it is GRTC. Okay. Um, I know a large focus for for other council members echo the sentiment before um, is the importance of economic development adequately funding that office. Um, I wish I could clone um, Mr. Sledge and some of some of his staff. Um, is there any increase to staff in the economic development um, office? Do, do we know? Oh, that's that's um, that's not this non-departmental the the. Just to clarify, what we were looking at, and I misread that line, so let me clarify this. Um, I read organizational subsidies to you, but most of the increase in um, um, economic development is for an agreement with somebody called Project Experience. That's where most of that increase, it's 325000 and it's offset by some other small decreases. Um, so we'd have to go back and look at the commitment that was made to that group. But if you go back to, um, let me find out where, I'm going to go back to where economic development is. Economic development, it looks like it didn't have enough of a change that I broke it out to talk about separately. So, Mr. Um, Eichelberger, can you bring that uh, a response back to that question? Uh, oh, absolutely. Four yes. members. Okay. Okay. Dr. Okay. Newell, can I? Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not seeing. Is that you, Mr. Saunders? But can you? Yes, ma'am. Is this specific to this question that was just raised? Um, it's specific to the question of the 200,000, I believe, ballpark for the. Um, for economic development, it relates sure, to an, sure, an, sure, an economic sure. development project. I actually believe Councilman Lynch was in your district in the last several months where there is a contribution required as part of our commitment to that deal. So sometimes that's where they show up in the non-departmental um, budget, but they're part of economic development uh, incentives or supports that we've provided to um, new businesses. Thank you. Councilmember Jones? Councilmember Jones, you're still muted. Okay. There we go. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I, I just want to almost say the same thing I've said since I've come on council. Um, and Bill can probably smile and laugh and chuckle at this. It's the same thing. Uh, we are funding outside organizations and not funding council priorities. I have a challenge with that. As we talk about uh, upcoming uh, uh, CRB and funding that and just other areas, other areas of interest. 
um, in these tough economic times, we are cutting, potentially cutting, services that we want to provide to Richmond residents. Uh, that's that's needed. That that that's very much needed, and and I want to ensure that again as we look at some of these issues. Um, and again, I say this as a nonprofit provider, <laughs> right? The church is nonprofit. We exist only on the support of our contributors. That's it. We have to ask a hard question. Is this a year in which we provide this level of funding to organizations that are not um, that are not Richmond city government entities? We're cutting after school programs. And again, I don't know what Mr. Frelke is doing per se. I don't know. Um, what the thought process is behind that, but I'm sure we will get that in the days to come. But I, I, I just want to share the same sentiment again. I have a challenge funding all of these nonprofits. They have a great mission. Every last one of them will. They will get up here and tell us why they should receive the funds they should receive, why and how they make uh, a real impact on citizens around the Richmond metro area. Um, <laughs> I just got to note, we are not cutting after school programs. All right, okay. great. Uh, and, and, and we'll get, Ms., Ms., Madam President, we can get with Bill on that, but I'm just using that yes. as a for instance, as a for instance. Uh, okay. and, and, and Bill, you can clean that up. But my, my statement still stands, and this should not be a shocker. You can go pull the tape. I've said it every year, Madam President. I have a I have a challenge with non-departmental funding, and we have city programs and council initiatives that remain unfunded. And so, with five votes, we can change that. If not, hey, we pass the budget as is. Thank you, Madam thank you, President. Mr. Jones. Thank you for um, that comment. Thank you. Members, at this point, um, I would ask if there are additional questions that we would get those to Mr. Eichelberger uh, so that he can get the responses and get them back to us in addition to the questions that have already been put forth. Mr. Eichelberger, any additional comments before we close out this budget work session? Um, only only to to affirm for Councilmember Jones that, yes, his comment did bring a chuckle because he and I have had this conversation uh, numerous times over the last few months. Um, and originally, moving on to the budget, originally the capital budget session was supposed to start today, but uh, doing this second half of the operating budget has taken up all the time, so I would propose we just start that anew on Monday next week. Thank you, Mr. Eichelberger, and thank you for all of your work, as well as other staff who uh, were involved uh, on the administrative side uh, in this effort. Members, uh, at this point, um, I would like, again, I'll ask that you will get your questions in to Mr. Eichelberger uh, so that there can be response uh, back to members in writing. Uh, Ms. Robertson, um, I'm going to uh, look to close the session out. Is there some final question that you have? 
Yes, there is, Madam Chair. Um, I just want to make note of the fact that the ordinance that was uh, initiated ultimately as it relates to the establishment of a dedicated source of funds for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund um, and was adopted by council uh, and presented by the administration to address a request that had been made by this council for years. Um, also, and I want to emphasize to council, uh, we pass legislation that is resolutions that we support uh, to see a, a minimum which we've been trying to get to for several years, 10 years plus, for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, uh, minimum of $10 million. That's nothing new. That's old uh, conversation that's been had for years. And the fact that we were successful in getting $2.9 million into the bud budget and the fact that we also adopted an additional legislation for dedicated source was not with the understanding that we would lose funds that had already been appropriated and found in our budget for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. We know that there's a baseline that we're trying to get to, and I think that is very uh, discontinual on the administration from the perspective that we would create a dedicated source and take away a source of funds that have already been identified and by the city uh, for affordable housing uh, and leave us at uh, a balance that um, should be at least the combination of the 2.9 plus 2.9 instead of uh, taking that money out of the budget and reappropriating it somewhere else where I'm not sure where that is. And I think that when we pass resolutions and not ordinances, this is what we uh, subject ourselves to without having the guaranteed support that the administration is not going to take money from line items without any explanation to us in the process. And I want to make note of that as it relates to how we restore the, at least uh, the 2.9 that was already there uh, prior to the passing of the legislation for the set-aside funds. Thank you. Thank you, Council, Council Member Robertson. Uh, more discussion of um, these items to come, both in terms of what you've referenced and Councilman Jones, as well as all the other members. Members, with that, I want to thank you for um, your due diligence in this budget work session, and uh, we'll see you for a return for informal session. The now Richmond budget work session stands adjourned. Thank you.